about something that uh, perhaps you already know. <clears throat> but I believe it's the reason why that we're are not seeing uh, souls saved and the proportion in which we would desire to see that. And that is um, because perhaps we are not doing our part in the harvest. And so I want to talk to you about that on tonight. I believe that <clears throat> having the privilege to uh, go across the country and be connected with people all over this country, that God is bringing a remnant of people together that is raising up a, a, a prayer army that is going to bring about uh, radical change, not only in our nation, but in the church, because it has to start in the church first, right? And so there has to be a burning and a fire within our hearts and in our spirits for that to take place. And so I want to spend some time tonight, and what I want to talk to you about is uh, praying for the lost, praying for the lost. And uh, the lost, as we look at it, is the harvest, right? And so as we talk about praying for the lost, what we're really talking about is praying for the harvest. And I want to uh, think about that in the terms of the harvest. And I want to uh, give you many scriptures tonight to lay a foundation. I'm passing uh, from time to time. I will make the statement that a person cannot come to God except somebody prays for them. I've also made the statement that God does not hear the prayer of a sinner. So how is it that a person could be saved? Well, I want to take a few minutes tonight and just show you that it's not just a theory or a thought that of passing of my mind, but it is scriptural. Is that all right? Yes. Amen. Luke chapter 8, verse number 6. I think we've got uh, most of these scriptures wrote down for you but if you take notes or however you do it the best uh, let's do that tonight so that we can uh, make impact all right Luke chapter 8 and verse number 6 it said so a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on rock. And as soon as it was sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded crops a hundredfold. And when he had said the, these things, he cried, He who has ears, let him hear. Uh, it is the difference here is the same sower sowed all of the seed, right? The difference is the soil. The soil is the only difference. The soil is the condition of a man's heart. So everyone's heart was not prepared to receive the soil or the seed. Everyone's uh, soil was not prepared to hear the gospel but there was some that did, right? And so uh, he, it did not discourage him because he did not stop sowing seed. He continued, even though that some seed was sown and fell by the wayside, even though that some were sown and the devourer came, the birds came and they plucked it up. 
he's seen others that he's sown into and it fell on rocky ground and and so it just sprang up quickly but yet uh, it did not mature or develop but it did not stop him from sowing seed and so it is with us today just because that we have sown seed and we have not seen the harvest that we desired should not stop us from continuing to sow the seed of the word of God. I'm believing God for the harvest. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 23. It says there, but he who received seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold and some thirtyfold. And so here in Matthew, he picks it up and he goes a little further with this. And he says that there is not just a hundredfold, but there are some that receive 30. There are some that receive 60 and there are some that receive a hundredfold. Matthew talks about this seed and he says that it is all on good ground. But yet, even though that it is all on good ground, there is still a difference in what is uh, reaped off of that ground. Now, all of these, when you study this out, all of these, the 30, the 60, and the 100 are all supernatural harvest. Because during this time and season uh, that uh, the, the, the farmers would uh, believe that they had got a good crop if they got 7.5% return on their seed. So 7.5% uh, of return on the seed was considered a good crop during those days. But for it was untold of, unheard of for someone to receive 30-fold or someone to receive 60-fold, nonetheless a 100-fold. So the fact that they received even 30-fold was supernatural. It was that it didn't have, it had to do with the seed, it had to do with the soil, but it was also a supernatural increase by God. Are you walking with me? And so now God is, shows up in this equation and they begin to understand that, that it is not natural for us to receive this kind of return off of the seed and the labor in which we have invested. So now they are in an understanding they would be totally rejoicing if they just received 30 fold. But to speak and say 60-fold was awesome, but 100-fold was unbelievable. Amen. And this also speaks to me about acceleration. Because of the fact of this, that all the seed in Matthew here, it suggests that the seed was sown at the same time. Right? It doesn't say that a sower went and he sowed today and another sower went and sowed another time, but it was all sown at the same time. And yet some of them received 30 fold, some of them received 60 and some of them received a hundred in order for you to receive more in the same amount of time suggests to me that there was a spirit of acceleration that was taking place in this harvest field. Not only 
was it to be just uh, above and beyond the 7%, the 30%, but the 60, and then there would be yet another that would be a hundredfold. And so what we're looking at here, this speaks to me and says that there was an acceleration that took place to cause there to be a harvest greater in some areas than there was in others. It seems that all of the seed was sown, but this acceleration is the difference in the harvest. I submit to you that it's according to the level that the seed had been watered. To the the same level that the seed had been watered. Why? Because the seed is the same. The soil is the same. And yet there is something that causes the acceleration that takes it from seven and a half fold or percent to 60 fold, 30 fold to 60 fold and to a hundred fold. And first Corinthians three and eight said that, that now he that planteth and he that watereth are one for we are laborers together with God, right? So he that plants and he that waters is the same, but it's God that we labor with that brings the increase, right? And so what, what is watering? Watering is our prayers. The seed is the word of God, but the watering of the seed is our prayers. It's our intercession. And where we have made a mistake, and I, and I know there is a, a gift of intercession, but where we have made a, a grave mistake in the church is this, that we, we call people intercessors. And 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 doing so, there is a breakdown that suggests that some people don't need to intercede. That some people don't need to pray because sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, they're the intercessors. They're the ones that need to pray. Yes, there is a gift of intercession, but we are all called to pray. We are all called to water the seed. We are all called to, when once we plant that seed, we don't just plant that seed in the ground and leave it to itself, but we cover it with prayer. And that prayer begins to cause that water to go down into that fertile soil and that seed that has been sown into the ground and causes that seed to begin to die and then to germinate and then life come to that seed that was dead, right? And and to the proportion in which we cover it in prayer will determine not only the acceleration of a thing, but will also determine how much we receive from it. And so we've got to continue. It isn't enough just to sow the seed, but we've got to continue to water the seed. And we've got to continue to seek out God and pray over that seed until it germinates and brings to pass because within every seed that we sow, which is the word of God, every time that we speak to somebody about Christ, every time that we witness about Christ, that is his seed. And in that seed is the power of life. Amen. Every time, not just every once in a while, not just hit and miss, but every time we sow the seed, it has the power of life inside of that word. And so what we do is we sow the seed, but it's not good enough to do that. Now we have to pray over the seed. 
and to that seed, to that level in which we pray over it, we will see an acceleration. I don't know about you, but I believe we need an acceleration. Amen. We need an acceleration. Because you see, we are living in these times whenever we need to see a real manifestation of the power of God. The lost will not and cannot be saved unless someone prays for them. I'm going to say that again. The lost cannot and will not be saved unless someone prays for them. John chapter 8 and verse 44. Let's start in verse 43. Let's see how the world looks at the gospel. Can we do that? John 8 and verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of the father you want to do. He has murdered from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you is uh, convicted? You convicts me of sin. And if I tell the truth, why, therefore, you do not hear? Because you are not of God. This is the view that Jesus looks and says to the world. You can't hear me because there's something wrong with your hearing. You can't see my speech. You can't understand my talk because your mindset is of a worldly system. It is of the devil, right? It doesn't mean that these people are bad. It means that there is blinders on them. It means that their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, and they they hear a lie and believe it's truth. But when you believe truth, when you speak truth, they think it's a lie. This is what we're dealing with in our nation today. This is what we're dealing with in our land. We 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 are living in a in a system that is that is wicked and and the enemy has control of their minds, of their thoughts until we are dealing when we speak truth it sounds like a lie. Acts 26 and verse 18. Let's start in 17. How's that? Give you an extra one. He said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So what does he come to do? He said he is sent to deliver the Jewish people and the Gentiles, right? So it's the Jews and the Gentiles. What's he going to do? He's going to open their eyes so that in order they can turn from their darkness to light. 
that they turn from the power of Satan to the power of God and that they may receive forgiveness for their sins. This has to take place before a person will come to Christ. They will never come to Christ if they do not believe there is a need. Right? And so as long as they're blinded, then Satan can lead them. As long as their eyes are not open, they can grope through life thinking that they're enjoying life. But the reality is, he says, that I'm sending you to the Jews and the Gentiles to open their eyes, get these blinders off of them, deliver them from the power of Satan over to the power of God so that they can receive forgiveness of their sins and receive an inheritance. Right? Now, before you can go in and do that, Mark tells us in Mark chapter 3 verse 27, no one can enter into a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. And then he will plunder his house, right? No man can bind the strong man and, and, until he is, or plunder his house until he is bound. And so... The, where does the enemy live? He lives in the heart and the mind of people. That's his house. Right? We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We being saved. We being set free. We being delivered. Are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, to not have that, the world is the temple of the evil one. Right? Are you walking with me? Now, how can you, how can you go and spoil the strong man's house unless you first bind him? You've got to take the blinders off. You've got their ears have got to hear truth. And that is not something that we do naturally. It is something that is done supernaturally so that we can destroy the strong man's house and every, every principality and every work and everything that he has built up. Because strongholds are not out there in the world somewhere. Strongholds are in our mind. And there's a lot of folk even in church that's got a lot of strongholds that have been built up with the traditions of men, with the thoughts of good intending people that taught even to the truth to their own ability, but it's still wrong. Amen. And so we have to always continue to process and believe the word of God so that our minds can be renewed as we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. And so those strongholds are brought down. And that's how a man comes to salvation is when we bind up that thought process, when his spiritual eyes are open, when his ears can hear truth. And he says, my God, I need to be saved. Amen. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 16. He said, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Isaiah's looking into the uh, telescope of time, into the end time. And he's seeing Lucifer or Satan. And he says, is this the one who made the earth tremble? who shook kingdoms, who made the world 
as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open the house of his prisoners? Said, you mean to tell me you're the one that caused all this chaos? (laughs) Isaiah looked at Satan and said, you mean you are the one that did all of this? And then he asked the question, why why was that house not opened up? Why was that strong man not bound so that that captive could be set free? You see, the only big devil there is is the one that Spielberg created. But the the devil of the Bible is a defeated foe. He, he was defeated and rendered helpless. He was destroyed, obliviated, annihilated on the cross of Calvary. But we have created within our own minds and our own thought process that he is so great and so powerful that God somehow has a hard time dealing with the devil. But I want you to know tonight that there is no competition for our God. He has rendered and defeated him and he is a defeated foe tonight. And so we have to renew our minds and say greater is he that is now in me than all of the devils that are in the world. Praise God. And so as I understand that, then I begin to declare that and I begin to walk in that. And so I begin to speak to people in a different light. I don't look at people and say, oh Jimmy, he he wouldn't want to be saved. Oh Sally, she's gone too far. And, and, And this one here just bound too much. No, I look at them and I say that all they need is their eyes to be open, their ears to begin to hear, to bind the strong man that has been tormenting them so they can hear the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, they're going to see their need for salvation and they're going to run to Jesus. Amen. So it's our job. Isaiah looked at the devil and said, who are you? You, you, you created all this havoc. You've created all this mess. You, you've bound. Why didn't somebody stop him? That's what he's saying here. Why didn't someone bind this prisoner up? Second Corinthians chapter four, verse three and four. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who perish whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Why are they blinded? Because the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ has not shined on them. Whose responsibility is it to shine the glory of God? We that have Christ. He said the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea in this last day. How's the knowledge of the glory of the Lord going to cover this earth? It's going to cover it as we that have his glory, carriers of his glory, release his glory. And as we release it, it is going to cause those veils to fall off, those blinders to come off. And they're going to see that they have a need for God. The scripture is very clear that Satan has blinded the minds of the lost, specifically to keep them from understanding the gospel. 
Salvation to a sinner is what Greek is to you and I. You ask somebody, do you want to be saved? And they say, from what? I'm not in a car wreck. My house isn't burning. Right? So what do you want to save me from? Right? It's Greek. It doesn't translate. Why? Because their eyes are blind. They think, man, I'm, ha- I'm living life. Can anybody be honest and remember that day? When you thought you were living life, just running out, drinking, carousing, doing whatever, you know, desiring the things of the world, having bigger this, better that. And we, we was all looking at that and saying, man, we're living until the, the, until the blinders came off. We didn't think we needed saved from anything. But suddenly there was a shift and, 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 and we understood we needed something. We could not do this by ourselves, right? That we needed a change in our lives. And so when you ask somebody, do you want to be saved? They'll ask you from what? You know, it's Greek. It's crazy to go to church. Why do we go to church? What are you doing up in here on a Wednesday night? You've worked all day. You're tired. Why aren't you home eating good food and watching you a good show? It makes no sense to the natural mind. It's foolish to the one who cannot see. Right? Take it a step farther. You know, save, save from what? Go to church. You mean you got to go on Sunday and Wednesday? And then you want me to go to a life group? Huh? That's crazy. And then, yeah, I don't go on to another layer of that and, t- and say, give. Give 10%. And people look at you bug-eyed and said, you have done flipped your lid. Right? Because we say, well, that don't make no sense at all. Well, does salvation make any sense? Huh? Somebody explain salvation to me. Real quickly. Explain it to me. You see, you come in, you pray, you, 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 you repeat this prayer. If you don't know the prayer, somebody helps you to pray that prayer. You ask God to forgive you of your sins. You acknowledge that you're a sinner. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, someone that you have never seen, that's been some 2,000 years removed from this earth, and you call on his name, and now you believe you are saved, and it's changed And yet you've never seen this man. All you've done is heard about this man. And suddenly now your whole life is supposed to be radically changed. But you see, it's not a lie. It is a truth. And even though that you cannot explain it all, even though that you cannot comprehend it all, whenever you experience it, nobody can talk you out of it. Because you know that something has been lifted off of your life. Even though you cannot explain it, you know that there has been a shift in everything that is inside of you. And there is a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And your eyes come open, your ears come open. You begin to hear truth. You begin to see revelation. And you begin to look at life all differently. Why? 
because you have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. But without that, without that, the world looks at it and says, it's foolish. But when your eyes come open, when your ears begin to hear, how did all of this happen? Because somebody sowed seed. Somebody sowed seed. Acts chapter 9 and verse 18, you remember this? Ananias went his way and entered into the house and laying his hands on him, talking about Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared unto you on the road came and has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales that that and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. Till this point, he has blinders on, but now something not just from his eyes spiritually, but physically comes off, right? They see this in the natural, but it is a spiritual implication that Saul's eyes, he's out there killing these Christians, and in a split moment in God's presence, his whole mindset shifts. He wasn't an ignorant man, right? He was well-educated. He wasn't somebody that was a pauper. He was high in authority and in stature within his own uh, 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 rule and reign. And so we understand this isn't just some weirdo. This is somebody that was up there. He, he had it all going on. But at the same time, he had nothing going on. And his sight came to him, and he seen Jesus. He heard about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, filled his life until it, when he got up from there everything in his life had changed amen John 9 31 he said and now he now we know that God does not hear sinners I've had a lot of people argue with me they say well uh, you can say that if you want to but God's answered my prayers before and I'm not serving the Lord well, one of two things have happened. Maybe he's out of grace, but not out of covenant. Answered you so you would get faith. But I'll tell you what I really believe. I believe it was bec- not that at all, but it was because somebody in covenant prayed for you. Somebody in covenant prayed the prayer for you. And so you would believe God answered their prayer out of covenant and moved on your behalf so that faith would rise in your heart and you would call on the name of the Lord. None of us are saved here tonight because we on our own came to Christ. All of us are here tonight because somebody prayed for us. It was either a mother, a father, it was a grandparent, it was a, it was a spouse, it was a child, it was a co-worker, or it was somebody that did not even know you but prayed in the spirit and interceded and called your name out before God so that as a result of interceding and praying for you, the Holy Spirit touched your heart. Come on caused those blinders to come off, caused your ears to begin to hear truth, right? How I many remember the times you'd go to church and you thought that's the stupidest thing you ever heard? 
right? This is foolish. You just went because somebody was dragging you. You just went because somebody invited you, but you went there and it, it just sound like Greek. It didn't do anything, but suddenly somebody starts praying for you. They begin to call your name out. They begin to intercede on your behalf. They prayed for you when you didn't even care enough to pray for yourself and the Holy Spirit would come and take those blinders off. Those ears would come open and the same message could be preached and your eyes would bug out of your head and something start pulsating in your heart and you knew that you needed to give your life to Christ. What was the difference? It's because somebody was praying and as a result of somebody in covenant praying for you, you heard the call and when you heard the call, you ran and out of that prayer, God answered their prayer. You called on Jesus and your life has been changed. Unless the spirit says come. And let say the bride say come. Right? So it takes us working together. It takes us praying for somebody. So why are the altars barren? It's because the church has quit praying. Amen. Why, why are the altars barren? Why are there so few people being saved and so many people going into eternity lost and undone without God? It's because the church has quit praying for their eyes to be open and their ears to begin to hear so that they can accept truth and believe truth that their lives can be changed. It's because people have quit sowing seed. Quit watering the seed. Right? The old church, they couldn't tell you how it all worked, but they knew how to pray. Amen. And they would pray somebody out of demonic oppression. They would pray somebody out of sickness. They would pray, a, a, they would pray a, a husband that was so rebellious and anti right into the church and their eyes would be open and their heart would be receptive and they would accept Jesus as their personal savior. They would pray until that, that, that son or that daughter that got so rebellious and angry would begin to come into the house of God and their hearts would be open, their eyes would see and their ears would hear and they would cry out for a savior of their mother and their father. You see, it was because they would pray and they weren't ashamed to pray. They would come to church early and pray. They would wait till after church and they would still be praying. They would, it would make times of prayer. They would pray at home. They would pray in groups. There was prayer services going on all week long. There was people that had children that would, that one mama would get with another mama and say you pray for my children and I'll pray for your children there was people that had spouses that were lost and they'd say you pray for my spouse and I'll pray for your spouse everywhere they went they were praying and believing God that somebody in their family would be saved and as a result when they the God would touch their heart they'd show up to church on Sunday the power of God would so move in their life their eyes would see their ears would hear their their heart would receive and they would leave changed and renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how does salvation come? It comes by result of saints praying. 
Not sinners praying because sinners do not, God does not hear the prayers of sinners. Right? Say, so, well, how can somebody be saved? I'm trying to tell you. He hears that prayer as a result of somebody in covenant praying for them. Right? I'm here tonight because my parents prayed for me. I'm here tonight because my grandparents that lived with us all, all the time I was growing up. And before I moved to West Virginia, they, li- they lived in the bedroom next to mine. And I could hear them pray for me every night. Every night. If we want to see a harvest, we've got to start sowing seed again. And it's not good enough just to sow the seed. Somebody's got to water it. Huh? Not only does it have to be watered, but it has to be watched over. Because God watches over his word and hastens to perform it. He will bring it to pass. But we've got to watch over that word, that seed that has been sown, water it with grace, water it with love, water it with kindness. And God said he will bring forth the harvest. He will bring it forth. So how does one be saved? James 5 and 16, confess your trespasses or your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He said the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The prayer of a righteous man, not the prayer of a sinner. The prayer of one in covenant. It avails, it it brings things to pass. It brings a lot together, amen? So what I want to say to you tonight at the tabernacle, I know that you say, well, pastor, we, we know all of this. I know we know it all, but we need to do it. And God hears us. Not because we're all of that, but because we're in covenant. He hears me when I pray. He hears you when you pray. Well, I've only been saved a month. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You're in covenant. And when you're in covenant, God hears you. You can be saved a day. Right? But when you pray, he answers you. He responds to your prayer. This is why it's so important that we must pray. This is the reason why that on many Sundays I'll come to this platform and say something like, who are you been praying for this week? You remember me asking that? Who are you inviting to church? We, if we've got to have a kingdom mindset that doesn't just say we're going to invite people to big events. Big events are for us to give people an excuse to come. Because that's the way the world thinks. You got to have something big. And so if that's what it takes, we'll have something big. But the result is not to get people in the building. The result is to get people in the building that hear the word. Their eyes are open and their hearts are changed. Amen. And in order for us to do that, we can get people in the building. But if the saints are praying, all we've got is a house full of blind people with deaf ears with hard hearts. So we have to do our part in praying for them, right? And ask God, God, open their eyes like you did Paul, that he may see the way. 
God, open their ears that they can hear truth and understand that they need you as Savior and Lord, that they cannot do this on their own. They need your grace and your mercy in their life, right? And so when that happens, it, 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 does, not, it does not take great effort. It only takes their eyes to be opened, their ears to hear for their heart to be changed. And anybody that's been to third world countries and uh, you, you know this, then this is my heart for America. I believe the day will come when the church begins to pray, begins to intercede on the behalf of those which are lost, that we will see what happens in third world countries will happen in America. And that is simply this. And, and, uh, Elder Rich went with me one time to Africa, but, uh, and we had some uh, demonic things going on there. But, but it is an unusual when you would go into the village and you would begin to preach because people have prayed and interceded that, that the whole village, the whole village give their heart to the Lord. Whole village. Two, three hundred people. All of them. Give their heart to the Lord. Have to build a church there. Send them somebody to teach them, disciple them. And I don't think that's far-fetched for us in America to believe God for. Amen. If God can do it there, he can do it here. All we need is some intercessors. All we need is somebody to care enough about people going to hell to pray for them, that God open their eyes, open their ears so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen. I've told you before in closing tonight, this is, I want us to pray for people. Jamie, if you could come and help me, but I've told you this before, but I want to reiterate it because I think it kind of relates. 1992, I was in McCurdy, Africa. I was on the stage. I was preaching uh, there's about 20,000 people they said there that night and it was looked like a disco going on people dancing jumping it, it's it's crazy uh, in the worship and whenever I went to the platform and began to read the scriptures there was demonic manifestations that erupted all over that place and uh, I thought to myself this is my mind while I'm trying to preach to these people I, I said my God this is the wicked place And I heard the Holy Spirit as clear as I've ever heard it in my life and said the only difference between here and America, there's not enough anointing in America to stir up the demonic spirits. I believe God wants us to have a third awakening. I believe that God has left us in the earth for such a time as this. As you know, we're going to be going into, uh, we've we've started putting it out a little bit at a time. We're going to be going into end time and preaching about that and the end and and this um, movie's coming out. What is it? Left Behind. It's coming out on the 3rd of October. Your co-workers are going to get curious about the end time. People around you are going to get curious. The staff can tell you. I I was going to go and talking about the prodigal son because in my heart, I believe God's going to draw the prodigals back into the house of God in this season which we're coming into. 
but I was praying and the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said to preach on the end times. I went into the staff meeting. I told my, the staff, I said, this is, I'm going to change directions. This is the way we're going to go. Feel like this. And, uh, I think it was Eric that spoke up and said, you know, that, that movie, the ends coming out on the third of October. I said, no, I didn't. You know, they can tell you I'm not a movie watcher. I just don't waste my money on that. If you go, God bless you, you know, cool. Uh, But it's just not my thing. I can sleep at the house. But anyways, uh, he said that and and it just clicked. God's bringing this thing together. The nation is going to be curious about the end time because of a movie that hits the theaters. And God is strategically going to place the church in a position where we can speak to the end times right you don't have to be a spiritual guru to find understand we are living in the end of time as we know it tonight I'll just give you a little bit of this Every time there has ever been two blood moons back to back, there's always been a war in Israel. 2014, 2015, there'll be blood moons. They'll be back to back. They'll be on harvest times. They'll be on feast days. After After the blood moon in 2014, a war broke out in Israel. There'll be another one next year. You'll see. It's always happened. ISIS and ISIL is rising up. I'm almost done. We're going to pray in a minute, okay? I'm just giving you because you're faithful here on a Wednesday night. I'm going to give you a taste of what I'm getting ready to tell on Sundays. ISIL is raising up. The Antichrist, I, I don't, I don't. I've never heard anybody preach it. I'm just going to tell you what's in my heart. I'm still working it out. But the Antichrist is not coming out of the Catholic Church. The the Antichrist is coming out of Islam. And we're seeing the rise of it now. And if you think that ISIS is over in the Midwest somewhere or the West, you're fooling yourself. This is what I feel in my spirit that this thing has already infiltrated not only our nation, but is in upper management. And I, I'm not prophesying. I'm not, I'm just telling you what I feel in my spirit. And this thing is going to come down like a, a stack of house cards. And it's going to destroy everything that is known. And when it does... They're going to want answers. When it does, the church has got to be in a place, in a position to pick up the mess and say, Jesus is the answer for the world today. And above him, there is no other. For Jesus really is the way. And you say, well, that, that's kind of discouraging. No, no, no. If you look at end times and, and you're discouraged, you're looking at it wrong. It's an exciting time for the church. 
I said it's an exciting time for the church because if the church is praying, the church is interceding, eyes are going to come open, ears are going to begin to hear, and hearts are going to be changed, and the house of God is going to become more than a church, but it's going to become the kingdom of God. Glory to God. Amen. I'm getting excited thinking about it. And I tell you tonight that it's not something to fear. It's not something to be dredged. It's not something to be worry about and have, you know, biting your fingers. My God, what are we going to do? It's a great time for the church. But we've got to do our part, right? So let me ask you again tonight, who are you praying for? Who are you interceding for? Not just hit and miss, but praying for every day. God... I pray, I pray, I pray for this one. I pray for this one. I pray for this one. I ask you, God, to take the blinders off. I pray that they can hear truth. I pray that they see their need for you. Who are you praying for? You know, all of you know I'm just a country boy, but this is one thing I know. You can shoot into a a covey of birds and not point the gun at any but there's so many you think I can't miss and just shoot in and you won't hit nothing but if you take aim and you have a target you may hit one on purpose but you may hit multiple ones as well if you're using a shotgun but when you're using a rifle it's more specific to hit the target. We don't need shotgun prayers. We need targeted prayers into the hearts of sons and daughters and husbands and wives and family members and parents and co-workers that Holy Spirit, go get John. Touch his heart. Cause that heart and heart and to be broken so that he can receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. He'll be saved. God, touch my daughter and cause her, God, to be, be broken. Cause these things and mindsets to be broken off of her. Call their names out to God. Amen. And let's believe God for a harvest. How many will do that with me? Let's do that right now. Let's just... Let's just believe God for lives to be changed. Let's believe God, amen, that, that the, the spirit of the wicked one, the, the strong man's house will be bound, right? Don't fear him like Isaiah said, you're nothing. You've done all of this. You've manipulated all this, but you're nothing. How come somebody didn't set that prisoner free? We're going to set prisoners free tonight. Amen. Come on, let's call out some names before God.